Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From beautiful Los Angeles, the city of angels, and from the Big Apple in Los in, in Los. <laughs> I was going to say Las Vegas. The Big Apple oh. in New York City. I don't know where I am today. <laughs> Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregivers caregiver, at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host Adrian Gruberg of the caregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio, audio and video platforms, uh, including syndicated radio, iHeart uh, Radio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio. Oh, God, the list goes on and on. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM. And number two podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60. And number two podcast on Caring Village out of thousands. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. Kiana, Kiana Cox, modern-day Renaissance woman who is loved by Jesus. She's a mother, an entrepreneur, an author, a producer, an architect, an influencer, an innovator, a strategist, a solutionist, a disruptor, and a bridge who wow. is interesting, unapologetic, transparent, diverse, fun, energetic, stunning, a lover of people, resilient, a force to be reckoned with, and a voice for the mentally, physically, and spiritually oppressed, the lonely, the forgotten, the hurt, the, the disenfranchised, the hopeless, the poor, the outcast, the displaced, the imprisoned, the misconceived, and the sick, to assist them in viewing life through a different lens by way of books, digital media, entertainment, fashion, arts, technology, products, education, and other necessary resources. As In other words, she's an over-retreat, an over-achiever. I feel like I'm reading from the Amplified Bible with all those plethora <laughs> of extra adjectives. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest who spoke out the mystery behind Robin Williams' fight against Louis body dementia, Dr. Russell Lebowitz. And that show, as all our shows, are available uh, on our free membership website, caregiverdave.com, and globally on numerous platforms. But if you go to uh, caregiverdave.com, you not only get them all in one place for your convenience, but we have three free gifts for you, as well as an introductory coaching session by yours truly. All right, enough of that. Kiana, is, or, is it? Am I pronouncing it correctly? There's so many ways to say it. Kiana. Kiana. Yes, Welcome to the show. <laughs> and we're so excited to have you on. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Kiana Cox and why were you placed on this earth? And just lean into your microphone and speak as loud as you can. Kiana Cox. Well, you, you said it. It was in my bio. I am a child of God. I'm loved by Jesus. I'm a mother, an entrepreneur, an ambassador, and an investor of people. And in my bio also, with the disenfranchised, the lonely, the poor, um, I'm just, I've just been the bridge for years. I didn't know what exactly 
I was here for the purpose initially when I started in the entertainment industry, um, fashion industry some years ago. Um, but I didn't, shortly after that, I did discover that's what it, what I've been. I've been a bridge to people in different uh, situations and circumstances. A bridge over troubled waters? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been the go the go to person to to connect. I'm a connector as well too. So whenever I meet people or whenever someone is going through something, if I'm not able to assist them, it's who do I know who I can connect where they can benefit from one another. I'm a reciprocity. Somehow I think you are also called the boss lady. I don't know. I just came to me. Uh, I've heard that. What was your upbringing like? I mean, when did you know who you were? You, were, you didn't always know who you were, right? No, my grandmother would say 12 because I was raised by my grandmother. Uh, my mom was murdered when I was two and oh, I was no. raised by, and I didn't meet my dad until I was 16. So um, I was raised by my mom's mom, my grandmother, and she would tell you 12 years young is when she raised herself. This <laughs> is what, she's, wow. what she would say. So yeah, so it the was, odds oh, were stacked against you, weren't they? Life, life threw you a curveball, but somehow you uh, managed to hit it out of the park. Yeah, by the grace of God, I couldn't do it alone. I mean, Amen. it's it's so much I've that's happened. That's why my book is unpacked baggage, getting to know Kiana Cox from A to Z, all the twenty six letters of the alphabet facts <laughs> I unpacked that I didn't even know that I had. So yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Are you a rapper? I mean, I I see a lot of talent here with <laughs> words and rhyming and syllables. What'd you say, Adrian? I didn't say anything. I oh, laughed. I heard something. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not a rapper. I do like rap music. I like all. I actually like all different genres of music. No, you're very good with words. That's why I said that. Oh, thank you. Not always so, either. See. Not, yeah. When and why did you decide to unpack uh, your own baggage, whatever that means? Okay, so 2011, um, I had multiple deaths in the family. Um, a really close friend of mine, then my youngest son's father passed away, then my grandmother and my dad, which was his mother, they passed away in the same year. Uh, I had a fashion school, that down, I mean, that, is a whole nother conversation, but it was like everything down spiraled at one time. And I was like, what is going on? I need to get out of California. So I left and went to Atlanta for about five months. Um, I mean, all that, that happened was, in California, all those deaths. It all happened stuff? in California. And I was going to ask said, you, do you live in Chicago or something? <laughs> My God. No, it's, that was all in California. And I was like, what city in California? Los Angeles. Where in Los Angeles? Uh, Valencia. California, Valencia? so by Magic Mountain, yes. My gosh, that's one of the safest neighborhoods in the country. I know, I but it all, Valencia. <laughs> yeah, it all happened outside though. Like my fa oh. my family was in the Bay Area, so most of that happened with them. Actually, all of them passed away in the Bay Area, the four of them. You know what, I don't think there's any place safe in this country anymore. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I just turn off the news because it's it's too depressing. So, um, so do I. Yeah. I, I read the good news. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> so me too. what are some experiences that you've had with your own family, you know, besides all the deaths and stuff, family, family members, friends, so-called friends? Be a little more specific as to, uh, let's get a flavor of to what your life was really like and what helped form 
the Kiana that is standing before us today, sitting before us? So I have two siblings uh, on my mom's side. They're twins. And so I was the the, the loner child because, you know, twins stick together. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was a lot of uh, discovery with them as well. We have different fathers and different last names, too. So I was like, wow. the, I, I, guess I was the, the, the Cinderella, <laughs> uh, the Cinderella of the, of the siblings. The stepchild, and so, yes. Yeah, it was like it, it just that really, um, I would say that that really had an impact, which I didn't know until I started unpacking this baggage about 10 years ago um, uh -huh. of all this emotional, um, the death of my mom and not knowing exactly what happened and meeting the guy who murdered her, who's still incarcerated. So yeah, it was just a series of things. You met him? Came. You went to prison and met him? Well, they had a hearing and there was a parole hearing to uh. decide whether he would get out or not. And I, had, I was the only family member who hadn't gone. But because I was there at two years old when it happened, some people remember at two. I don't remember and I, I thank God that I don't remember because that could have been very traumatic. Sure. Um, and so we had to sit in like um, a room with him, a very small room, for about eight hours of him explaining exactly what he did and why he eight did it. Eight hours? Yes. We had some breaks in between. That's a lot of explaining. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. We had, we had some some breaks in between um, and then they had each one, like my sisters went and talked. And, so he's trying to convince you why he's been re rehabilitated and deserves to be let free, right? How long was he in for? Oh, it's been over 30 years. 35, 30, it's been 36. Seven, eight years. And Does he's this still happen every so often? Yes, every so often they check, they do an analysis or an assessment, excuse me, of exactly where they are mentally. So different tests. And they actually. So is he still there? He's still there. Okay, he's which still is there. fine with you, right? Well, you know what? Um, I went last as far as speaking with the siblings because it was just my two sisters and me. And um, he, one of the last things he said that he regrets it every day because it was someone she knew. It wasn't a random person. Oh my. And so um, they asked him, um, yeah, he said he hoped that one day the family could forgive him because he thinks about it every day. It was terrible. And um, actually that was really all that, when I went up there, what I said, I actually forgave him that day which um, one of my siblings wasn't really happy with that. Really? <laughs> yeah, she was, you no. Know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. It, it will kill you. It will eat you alive, cancer, ulcers. Uh, yeah. It's a poison that needs to come out. Yes. So, did, you so ever, yeah. did you ever figure out why this man who knew your mother did it? Or he's still a mystery, didn't you ask him? So there's two stories. We couldn't speak to him directly. So there were actually two stories with my grandmother, my dad's mom, uh, who that was a, 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 an associate of my dad's. And uh, in sh my grandmother said that it was a get back at my dad. He was jealous of him. So I'm going to get you back by doing something to her. He had a different story um, as to why he did it. But according to him, his was more of a snapped situation. Um, because of his upbringing and what happened and she was very vulnerable according to her friends and other people who knew her. So here it is, I'll, 
uh, it was just a snapped. And even when they did the assessment um, on him, a mental assessment, they said that he would rape a person before he would kill another person. He had no priors or anything like that. Um, he did say his mother was abusive. He wasn't the most attractive growing up, so he didn't have any girlfriends. Yeah. His next door neighbor came and gave his sister some paint when he was she was seven. He was seven and she drank it and he died. She died and he never told wow. anybody about that. So yeah, it was just very traumatic. And so my book number four is why people do what they do because I was really interested to know what happened with him growing up because I don't just think people are crazy. So obviously, he's mentally ill, and yes. anyone who's mentally ill, there's a reason they're mentally ill. Is it is it heredity, uh, or is it definitely uh, your upbringing and your environment, or is it a 50-50? Mm. So, yeah, in different cases for different people. Different, Yeah, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there's my rap again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so... Why do why do you do what you do? Why do I do? Why do we do what we do? Have you well, figured see, that out yet? Yeah, I figured that it's not a formula. Because why you do what you do is not why I do what I do. Because you you mentioned the the upbringing and environments, and also too you have to take into consider we have to take into consideration people's experiences too, and that helps to shape and mold where people are currently and i have encountered closely with tens of thousands of people and talking to them and that's why my book number four why people do what they do these are different conversations that i've had with people as to why they did what they did but it's 27 different topics why do people do what they do so again yours would be yours could be different similar um results but what's the, the cause and effect? We learned that in elementary yeah. school. What's the root? Yeah. People are trying yeah. to solve the effect instead of getting to the cause and the root. Adrian has traveled all over the world in her uh, prior days. Adrian, have, have you noticed in different countries, because you've been to Africa, you've been to many different places and cultures, is violence as prevalent in those places as it is here in America? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, it, it's funny, but in Africa, people are very litigious. In, instead of of striking out at somebody or or killing somebody, they'll uh -huh. sue them. <laughs> <laughs> Take them to court. Mm. They enjoy it. It's it's, it's a it's revenge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nothing sweeter than revenge. <laughs> you asked. Uh, I asked and I got it. Well, listen, this uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly connect webinars. 
You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with our guest, Kiana Cox, and my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg. And we're talking about why we do what we do with this wonderful woman who's an author, an entrepreneur, and she's just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, did you become all this stuff like overnight or did it slowly, you know, one by one? Uh, how did it all start? I would say teenager. I've been a visionary. Uh, the fashion and entertainment industries, I knew that was a given. I was so... Um, consumed with movies and music and fashion, although I went to uh, Catholic school. My grandmother had us in Catholic school, but she would take us shopping all the time. So uh, she can, she has contributed to my fashion. I don't want to call it addiction because I'm not addicted, <laughs> but my, my passion for fashion. Oh, there's another rhyme. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> <laughs> And you have an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I, I really do. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, so what are you currently working on now? What are you doing now? So currently, uh, my book will be released soon. Um, the date has been pushed. Uh, Unpacked Baggage, Getting to Know Kiana Cox from A to Z. All the 26 letters of the alphabet. I have bags I unpacked over 10 years. And why would somebody want to know all of Kiana Cox's unpacked package? What's in it for them? What's in it for them? Well, I would have people come up to me and tell me that I've never gone through anything. You don't know what I'm going through. Or I would have people just randomly come up to me and ask me, what do you do? They wouldn't even ask my name. What do you do? And I just really um, got tired of explaining because I really, it's not five minutes. What do you want to know? So I'm like, let me let me do this book. And I would have people tell me you need to write a book or you need to do a movie on your life. And I said, no, it would have to be a TV series because two hours is not enough for what I've gone through and um, and not to glorify it or um, to yeah. brag or boast about it. Because if I if I had enemies, which I don't, I would not um, wish the experiences on on any of them. So it's really to help people. And especially now during this time to let people know that you are not alone because when we go through things, we think it's just us. Nobody understands. Woe is me. <laughs> yeah, like so um, it really so and, and this nobody is knows the trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly. And growing up as a very private person, it was just something that I would never have done, but I love people and understanding its purpose behind it. I went through these things, or I was allowed to go through these things 
to help other people who are currently in that situation. So it's really of a su support. Yeah, I can totally relate. You know, I'm, I'm a caregiver and always people want to know my story. And so I finally wrote my book, One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships. I just say, read the book and you'll know my story. <laughs> we can talk from there. And then uh, I've been in the gas station business for 45 years. And they said, well, what's it like being in the gas station business? You know, should I get regular premium? I mean, should I, uh, you know, check my oil every time? And, and it's flash. I wrote a book, Getting Hosed, Secret <laughs> Confessions of a Gas Station Owner. I said, read the book. <laughs> like, yeah, because that, that story story behind it. So, right. yeah, that's that's the book. Um, and I'm so, so grateful I did because we're, we're leaving legacies for those behind because, you know, one day people are going to wake up. I'm going to be gone. And you're going to be gone. And what's going to be left? Well, that book. And you talk about a movie. They're doing a movie on my life. I, I thought it was going to be a reality series because it's true. You know, there's so much. But mm -hmm. uh, they just uh, decided to start the, with the editing because COVID and all that stuff and, and this and that. So, so grateful for that. And Adrian, uh, you know, she keeps saying she doesn't want to write a book because everybody has written a book. And who would read her book? But she has a story that needs to be told. And I don't know how you're going to tell it, Adrian. I know she's journaling it. Uh, are you still journaling? I've journaled it. Um, I'm, you, that I'm was not... past tense. You mean your whole story <laughs> is journaled? It's over? No. Uh, okay. it, it becomes a memoir after, after okay. the journaling point. It, it, well, we're going to have to get you a, a, a presidential library, you know, like the presidents do, to <laughs> store all of your memoirs and store all of the stuff oh, yeah. in your um, huge loft there in Manhattan um, that you just sold and is in storage. Um, my, all my artwork, yeah. And that was something about the uh, the Carter Library. It was all seeing yeah. it was the Rosalind Carter Library, but yeah. all these paintings were up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still encourage you to write a book. Why should Adrian write a book, uh, Kiana? People need to hear your story. We have unique experiences, and it can relate to someone who's you've overcome that, and they need that, especially now with COVID and all that's going on in this world right now. People are looking for hope. Well, I'm just looking for the right angle. It needs to help specific people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can I hire yeah, somebody I'm to help you with that. Considering this, Dave, I want oh, you to. Oh, she's considering it. That's a huge move. Great. <laughs> I like well, to think I'm that sorry. I had a part in helping her make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about how to never be disappointed in people again. You know, caregivers are always, um, gosh, how, how do you say it? You know, I have to be polite here. Caregivers, you know, they don't know how to ask for help because uh, they don't want to feel indebted. And so they don't ask for help. And so they try to do it all themselves. You know, it's a, a lot of it's a pride thing. I can do it myself, you know, like a two-year-old. I do it myself. I do it myself. <laughs> but they can't or they're going to end up... Needing a caregiver as well. Thirty percent of them actually die before their loved ones do, yeah. and uh, you know they um, they don't know how to um, put their needs first, take care of their needs before they take care of the other needs. You know, put your oxygen mask on first. So when you talk about uh, how to never be disappointed in people ever again, I don't know, Adrian, how would you how would you connect that to a caregiver? Are are caregivers disappointed in people? I think caregivers. Oh, I disappointed that people don't step up voluntarily ah. and sort of 
fall away. Whereas I feel like characters should ask, you know. That's right. They expect other people to think the way a caregiver thinks, right? Yeah. Um, I used to, it used to bother me when people would meet me on the street and they'd say, how Steve? They wouldn't ask how I was doing. Immediately yeah, go what to am the chop liver. <laughs> yeah. I would I would call that to their attention once you know once I was aware uh -huh. of what was going on as as I as I started my caregivers uh, journey you know awareness journey. Sure. So how can that chapter of your book, uh, Kiana, help these caregivers who are disappointed in people who are not doing things that they want them to do, not necessarily, you know, the sins of uh, omission, but it's uh, sins of commission. I might have said that backwards, but I don't know. Well, so um, I call it unrealistic expectations of people. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, we have unrealistic expectations, and we, we just expect people, as Adrian was saying, expect them to see it from our perspective or our point of view instead of putting ourselves in the other people's shoes. Um, I just had a conversation with someone this morning about that. I'm not a, I look at both parties. There's facts on each side. So it's not that this person is wrong, that person is right. It's it, it, it all depends on the situation and that needs to be considered. People need to understand it's not, everybody does not think like them. And so every response will not be what they think. So now that's, that is a process and a practice for people to never be disappointed again. Because if you're at the point where you say, hey, I said this and it has to go this way, you're not open to changing, to look at it from somebody else's perspective, then you're going to continue to get disappointed. Period. You're setting yourself up to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yes. When it's that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and husbands and wives. So especially, you know, if, if you're a husband caregiving to your wife or vice versa, then you've just magnified the problems because uh, spouses, you know, are always, uh, I heard a saying here, let me back up and say, I heard a saying that someone once said that uh, marriage is a 50-50, you know, partnership. And then I heard somebody else say, no, 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 it's not. It's 100%, 100%, because if you're doing 50-50, then that means you're keeping score. That means, hey, I'm doing 51%, you're doing 49 I'm, I'm getting the short end of the stick. Uh, you agree with that? I do agree with it. I just, that was another conversation I had with someone last night. We're just revisiting these conversations. I told yeah, them I to- I have your house bugged, uh, the National Security Council. <laughs> <laughs> I said, two halves don't make a whole. And they was like, actually, two halves do make a whole. I said, not in a relationship. Two That's people right. have to come to the relationship whole. And everything else, yes, two halves is a whole, but not when it comes to people. If I bring my baggage, the damage, the hurt, and the pain, I'm broken. You bring that. We're two broken people coming together, and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, and this way, if you stop keeping score, if I'm giving 100%, I'm not going to know if it's 50 or 75 or right. you know if I'm I'm short because I'm given 100. I'm not worried what she's given because I'm I know she's supposed to be given 100. Maybe she's not given 100. Maybe I'm not given 100. But we're not keeping score. All we know okay. is we're both doing our best. Whereas 
uh, I'm going to limit mine at 50%, and then I'm going to pull back, you know, because it's your turn now. You wait on me. Hey, I got you water last night. Now you got to get me, uh, you rub my feet, you know, whatever. And there's actually <laughs> people out there who, uh, couples who are doing that, you know. Uh, some of them, uh, amazingly, have been married 50, 60, 70 years, <laughs> and, uh, and they're like that. I don't know how they stay together because it seems like they fight every day. But uh, some people have a strange way of showing love, don't they, Adrian? Yes. Uh, <laughs> fighting is a form of passion, that's for sure. <laughs> and crying is the same emotion as laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I laugh so that I don't cry. <laughs> well, yeah. this is good stuff. Uh, maybe we should uh, do a rap song to these words. Uh, it would be a, a number one bestseller. Uh, why, why surround yourself with like-minded people? Uh, why is that so important? Isn't it better to have, uh, you know, opposites attract and, and won't we be bored? I mean, there was a Seinfeld episode one time, Jerry thought that he found the perfect date. And then mm -hmm. he realized that she was identical to him. You know, they liked yeah. the same things, they hated the same things. And after a while, it freaked him out. He says, I don't want to be married to me. <laughs> Can two walk together if they don't agree? I guess they can. I guess they can. Yeah. It would I well it would be at odds. And so it's not the like-mindedness is not about oh I like purple and you have to like purple. It's more of the ultimately you guys have to be on the same path and understanding. Just like for instance if you you take up the mindset and so that's why it's about the mind. A mindset of an employee and an entrepreneur is different. I can't talk to employees the way that I would talk to another entrepreneur because they just don't get it. They right. don't get it. And so then it becomes a debate and then it becomes this and that. And so when speaking of like mindedness, it's more on that. Not that we have to agree about everything, but if we don't see things um, similarly are on the same path. Especially, and it depends on the relationship and the connection too. So partnerships, you guys have to be on the same path. I'm going through um, something right now in business and another business that I have with a partnership. We're not, we don't have the same vision for um, executing and continuing in this business. And now it's like, well, what do we do? Um, yeah, what, what do we do? We have this amazing products. We have potential, um, I mean, some people who are very highly interested in um, this product. But as far as like marketing and the execution, we're not on the same page and it's just caused a lot of, um, of friction. And so now we're in discussions on dissolving and pulling out. And so, um, so yeah, you, you just have to be on the same page. So that's and especially the, the, now, you know, this country is divided on everything. You know, yes. uh, we had a president that uh, he was accused of d dividing. But you know what? The media is dividing and, and mm -hmm. uh, both sides are dividing. And yeah. anytime, um, uh, especially racially, you know, sexually, racially, every single thing is dividing us. You know, we can't go to a football game or a baseball game without somebody either standing up for the national anthem or not standing up or taking a knee and, and that divides us. And then uh, the racial thing, you know, it's, it's uh, Martin Luther King said, you know, I have a dream, you know, that uh, 
little babies would, uh, you know, work together, whatever it is he said, that uh, they wouldn't, it wouldn't matter the color of their skin, but the content of their heart. But it seems like they're preaching that racially the opposite. You know, no, 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 it's all about color. It's all about skin. It's all about, you know, past reparations. Did I say that word right? Uh, All this stuff. And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but all the blacks in my sphere of influence, we get along just great. You know, I'm a Christian. Many of Mm -hmm. them, half the churches seems like it's a black uh, where we go. It's an interracial church. And this is all foreign to me. I mean, uh, who are they talking to? Who are they talking about? So I don't get that. What's your opinion on, on the division? Me or Adrian? You. <laughs> <laughs> I already know how Adrian feels. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's been something, and especially in families, which is really crazy. Um, I have a family member right now. Their sibling twin is suing them. Their twin oh, is suing them. Yeah, I think I saw mm-hmm. them on People's Court. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and really right now in families, and it's like, what, what, what is it? What, what is this? What's the competition? Um, there's a, well, one thing I've noticed, there's a lot of me. Yes, we put on our mask first, but it's the world does not revolve around people individually. And I've been running into a lot of people are encountering a lot of people. I'm, I'm listening to them, and it's me. What about me? And no, I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about me. And I'm like, no, it's a it's a we. It's and it's not just about you. What about that other person? Uh-huh. So it's just the selfishness or the word that's floating around now, the narcissism um, with, when it comes to people. Lovers of self yeah. is what the Bible says. In the last days, we're in them. Yeah. <laughs> people become yeah, lovers. Yes, that is for sure. Speaking about self and self-love and self-care, you know, caregivers don't take care of themselves. How can these caregivers, <laughs> by the way, I don't know if you were ever a caregiver or not, but um, how can caregivers find the time to take uh, out for themselves and, and do things just for them? Be, be selfish, you know, because they're so selfless that mm-hmm. just bringing the pendulum all the way to selfless might just put them in the middle, you know what I mean? But it's not selfish to... Um, make sure that if you're lying on your back, you can't help anyone. So you need to make sure you're healthy. That's really unselfish. You're making sure that you're healthy so you can be 100% and available to help other people because, yeah, if you're not, you can't help anyone. If you're six feet under your body, you can't help anyone. So I've noticed some work. I've been around some workaholics, too, and and I understand they provide for different people. But you have to stop. Go get a massage, read, meditate, walk. I mean, that's another different different people have different ways of um, doing that. But talking my language. Yeah, yeah, the the caregivers, they have to take out at least a day out the week. Have someone else come in where they can go and relax and whatever that looks like to them. Again, a massage, a walk, a reading, shopping, whatever yeah, that looks like. 15 minutes at Starbucks, whatever, or a 20-minute well, yeah. Calgon take-me-away bath, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, the bath. Soak in a bath, bubble bath. and Yeah, just and relax. You have to recharge. Well, listen, we're going to take another break, so we'll be right back. Don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author, 
who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day, life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Yeah. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nassani. We have Kiana Cox here, author extraordinaire, <laughs> Adrian Gruberg, my co-host. So we were talking about self-care and why you need to take time out for yourself because 30% of you guys are dying and we're trying to lower that number because if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you're both going down. Sorry. Um, so you talk about uh, deciding what your motives and reasonings behind caregiving is. Uh, many people become caregivers for many different reasons, right, Adrian? Some do it Absolutely. for genuine uh good reasons, you know, and others do it out of guilt, some do it out of obligation, some do it because there's nobody else to do it, and uh, what, what do you think, Adrian? What, did I miss some reasons, some motivations? The negative motivations? No, I, feel, I think you were right on. Yeah, and what are some good positive motivations? Just wanting to help, wanting to be there, maybe they were there for them, you know, maybe it's a parent. Well, love has a lot to do with it. Love. It's all about love. <laughs> so, Kiana, what, what motives or reasoning uh, do you believe is going on with caregiving, and what can we learn? Uh, is it okay to do it for the wrong motives, or do you think we should straighten our, our motivation and do it for the right motives? Or is it better than nothing? You know, what should we settle for? We shouldn't settle. We should do it for the right motives, because if you're doing something that you really don't want to do, you're not going to be 100% in it. And you'll eventually quit or you will abuse the situation or the person because you're really not wanting to be there. So why? Yeah, why I, I sure wouldn't want someone taking care of me if they didn't want to be there. I'd say, hey, exactly. there's a door, you know, I'll yeah. find somebody else. I'd rather have a yeah. stranger in and pay them than have a family yes. member who resents it. And that's why I got long-term care insurance, which everyone should get. Uh, in your 50s, 40s, 50s, when it's still cheap, uh, because I don't want to burden my kids, you know, even though I kept telling my daughters as they were growing up, now one day you're going to have to change my diaper. <laughs> <laughs> have we missed uh, talking about anything? Um, 
is there something that you wanted to talk about that we did not cover yet? And then I'll ask the yes. audience uh, how they can get in touch with you. Yes, um, we talked about the books, and that's a part of the multimedia mm -hmm. company, which is the books and first phase. Second phase of that, you talked about you uh, a, a movie on you. So turning these books into film is our second phase. So a production company, documentaries, docu-series based on a true story. Third phase of that is a digital cable TV network. But what's priority right now, we're doing that. The book will be released in fall. We pushed it back. Initially, it was going to be late spring, June. Yeah, my book's late, too. <laughs> yeah, so, but COVID is opening, so we're doing a book launch and an event, and so really interesting. Um, but um, what the priority right now for me, it's a project that I've been working on for 10 years. Um, the unpacked baggage started from me losing everything. I lost everything, my home, I mean, you name it, business downside, everything. And so I started unpacking my bags there, but also in that I was doing research. And fast forwarding now, um, 10, 12 years later, finally launching, it's called Rebuild Cities. We're starting in the uh, Los Angeles County and Las Vegas Valley, which I'm actually in Las Vegas. You mentioned Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas right now. Wow. <laughs> so I've been back and forth LA and Vegas for the past three months now, getting this together. But Rebuilt Cities, which it's a social enterprise, it's a high, which most people aren't familiar with that term, but the short of it, it's a hybrid of a nonprofit and a for-profit. So, and wow. it's cause related. And housing is first. So you people are losing homes, people are getting evicted, and where where do you go for, for that? If you have the money, you've gotten evicted, but now your credit is messed up, so you can't qualify. So rebuilt cities, we're coming in, acquiring real estate. Um, again, we're starting in these two regions, but we will expand throughout, um, and helping with housing first, but there's um, employment assistance, transportation, spiritual, um, counseling, therapists will be involved. I mean, it's a it's a full service. It's not just, oh yeah, we're gonna put someone in a house and leave them. No, um, there's a process, there's a weekly, there's an intake process, there's a weekly check-in. There's a, there, yeah, it's, I don't like to call it a program. I, it's, a, it's a process, yes. Yeah, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. Did you say something, Adrian? I wanted to know what the name of it was. It's called Rebuild Cities. Mm -hmm. Rebuild Cities. Rebuild Cities. So we're helping to rebuild the people, rebuild hope and the economy. Because it's, it's the people. People help to rebuild the economy. It's not just having jobs available. It's having people available to be able to fulfill those jobs or fill those positions, which will help right. the economies grow. And they're community focused. And not to say you guys are in New York, if you guys wanted to donate in Las Vegas or Los Angeles, we would turn your way, but we're really focused on community. The community's getting involved because the resources are in each community, contrary to popular belief. You know, we're both uh, entrepreneurs, and so we have a different mindset than than poor people, you know. I remember a rich dad, poor dad. He says I had I had poor parents and I had an adopted uh, rich parents, and they they both thought differently. You know, one says no, you got to get a job, you got to get an education. The other one says no, you got to start your own business. You know, and uh, there's a lot of poor. There's an epidemic of poor, right? The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, poorer. The middle class is disappearing, and that's all because of globalism and and you know all sorts of things that that the uh, 
the powers that be are are taking this country. And um, I, I just think that uh, there needs to be less uh, handouts and more uh, teach them how to run a business. You know, I mean, this is America, right? Uh, it is still the land of opportunity, right? Uh, you can still make a living by setting up shop on a on a corner. There's lots of empty buildings. We we know that <laughs> because of all the riots last summer. But um, you know, what is what is the solution, and and how how can uh, poor people? Because uh, it sounds like you're you're helping them out, right? Because in 2008, I lost everything, uh, or I almost lost everything, and my, uh, I especially lost my credit. And so it's very difficult, I found, to to get a loan or to even get a credit card when you have bad credit. And you know, fortunately, seven years later, you get a fresh slate; you can start all over again. But if somebody's there, and uh, I had a partner who had good credit, and we were able to buy a piece of property, and so yeah, it really helps to have a helping hand. Now, some people say, well, entrepreneurs are not uh, born, they're raised. You know, it takes a special skill. Some people, you know, can't be entrepreneurs because they, they, just want, they just want the security of a paycheck because when you become an entrepreneur, you know, there's risk involved. You don't, there's no guarantee that your business is going to succeed. In fact, 95% of businesses fail in their first five years, but a lot of them are doing the wrong thing. So uh, comment on all of that, uh, the difference between getting a job or uh, starting a business? So it all goes back to the mindset. Poverty is a mindset. It is. You can have two people grow up in the same neighborhood and one makes it out and the other one stays. Why is that? It's a mindset. This other one was feeding himself, um, being exposed to other things that the other one wasn't as to why you have this limited mindset. So there's limitations in the mindset. Um, even with some people who have money, you can have people with a lot of money, but because they grew up in poverty, they're holding on to it because they're afraid. So that's still a poverty mindset. Yeah. You know, it's like um, you can either cook somebody a fish and give it to him and he ate it and he, you fed him one time. Or you can teach him how to. You can yeah. teach him how to fish. <laughs> Teach them how to fish. Get the rod and pull them out of the water. Yeah, don't just go and buy the fish. <laughs> but that's well, what goes. Yeah, back to what you're ahead. saying about just handing out money. That's not the solution. The stimulus yeah. checks giving people for what? What is that doing? That's not uh, solving anything. And what can seven hundred dollars do? I mean, uh, you know, even if it was two two thousand dollars, that's gone. Boom, like that. And they call it helicopter money. You know, um, I I just wish. These sheep, because that's what they are. Sheep are, are dumb animals who follow whoever's leading, you know. And there's a lot of uh, politicians who are not really nice. And so we just got to get out of that mindset. You know, I don't want to make enemies on this show. <laughs> um, I don't want to be canceled. <laughs> I got to watch what I say. But, uh, you know, we just need to, as Rodney King to quote his famous words, can we all just get along, you know? <laughs> well, I can't believe how fast this hour has gone again. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. And um, again, your uh, your website and your email, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Yana. Yes, so for the book, unpackbaggage.com is the website for the book. For Rebuild Cities, it's rebuild-cities.com. 
And the best way for to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn, Kiana Casey Cox. And that's the letter K and C in the middle of my first and last initial. I mean, last name, and, excuse me. And right. Adrian. Uh, Adrian. The caregiverspace.org. So it's thecaregiverspace.org and then Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org if you want to get a hold of her. And I'm, it's simple, caregiverdave.com. Like it says, we got free gifts for you. We got all of these uh, podcasts and, and radio shows and, and webinars and video casts all in one spot. So thank you all for coming on the show. We appreciate it. We'll see you again next time, same time, same channel. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep breathing, it's gonna be okay. Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.